Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. How are we doing this morning, friends? Woo! Man, it's good to be back. Was so grateful for some time to just unplug this summer with the family and turn the brain off for a little bit. And I was telling my wife on about week two or three, I said, sweetheart, I feel like it's taken me about three weeks for my soul to catch up with my body. <laughs> I'm not exactly how, sure how that works, but I know for me, I'm not sure how this works for you. Sometimes we can just get so into the hustle and the grind of life. It can be very difficult to be present, to be aware, and especially for me and for what I do um, with my life and, and pastoring and wanting to, to be present to share God's word, I was so grateful for time to pray, to reflect, to be spiritually refilled and just fired up about the days ahead, excited about this fall, excited about Together Sunday, what you just heard about on the 21st, and then Lake Day baptisms on the 28th. I heard a rumor we got some guys in the church bringing some Traegers. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm telling you what, man, anything from pulled pork to barbecued chicken to whatever, it's you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time, not to mention baptisms that day. It's going to be fun for the whole family. So make sure you come out August 28th and then the week before August 21st where we start to dive into a little vision for the fall where we're headed this year. I'm fired up. I'm excited. Um, hey, something to share with you guys. This past week was, was an amazing week for our church family. We were down about 150 students and leaders this morning because they're on their way back for Redwood from the Redwood Alliance uh, camp where we had Youth X this past week. And friends, it was incredible. Just a little bits that I've heard. My wife and daughter are on their way back this morning, so me and Sawyer are batching it up for the past four days. And um, I got this photo um, from my wife. At, I can't remember if it was night two or three. I wanted to share this with you guys. Check this out real quick. Now, I don't know what you were doing in middle school and high school. <laughs> I wasn't doing that, Okay. And to see a room full of middle schoolers and high schoolers with their hands praised in worship to Jesus, it gives me hope for the future. Come on, friends. That was awesome. So much life change. I got to talk with my daughter a little bit last night, and man, just hearing what God was doing in her heart. So buckle up, friends. Next Sunday, they're going to be rowdy, and they're going to be on the front row going for it. So... We're all going to get to be a part of that, but really excited for what God did. And I, got, I just got to give a shout out to our production team, everybody at front of house there and in um, the broadcast booth upstairs and our band who got here at about 3.30 in the, in the morning, this morning, like they literally played the last set of the night at YouthX and then drove here, got set up and led worship for you guys this morning. So can we give it up? For production, band, everybody, you guys are legends, you're heroes. Y'all get extra, extra treasures in heaven, maybe an extra mansion. I don't know, Rich, it's going to be awesome for doing that one. But man, it was um, really awesome for you guys to be back to lead us this morning. So 
Right now, we're going to dive into Ephesians. And we left off in Ephesians several weeks back. We've been in this uh, six hot weeks of summer where we've had some amazing speakers, some friends of mine that I'm so grateful were able to come through and share the word with us, share what was on their heart. But we're diving back into the book of Ephesians for the next several weeks. And I felt like it was appropriate because if you look at the book of Ephesians, if you study it and you read it, and most commentators would tell you, it's broken up into two two parts. And the first part is about what God has done for you. It's about, God, it's about what God has done for me. It's about all the things that God has done on our behalf. And it's incredible because if you study it, I believe there are 29 action verbs in the first few chapters alone. And all the action verbs are in relationship to God. God's doing the work. God's doing the saving. He's doing the redeeming. He's giving the mercy. He's giving the grace. He is doing all the work. He's adopting us into his family. He's blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so the first few chapters, Paul is unpacking to this small little church in Ephesus, this group of people that he's been walking with for two years. And now he's in prison in Rome, and it's funny, he begins chapter three by saying this, uh, Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you, the Gentiles. Do you get what he's saying there? He's like, y'all are the reason I'm in prison right now. (laughs) I love you, by the way. Isn't that crazy? He says, look, because I'm preaching to you and I'm sharing the gospel with you, it's making the Jewish people very angry. They don't think you deserve this gift. They don't think you should be a part of this family. So the Jewish people created a massive commotion around my message and I got arrested by the Romans and now I'm sitting in a Roman prison but I'm writing to you from this place. And he's, he's been serving this small group of Christians and loving them and teaching them the way of Jesus for two years. And he, he finishes up chapter three with this beautiful prayer. It's an amazing prayer. And I thought as I was reading this, before he dives into the second half of the letter, the first half is all about what God's done. And the second half, I love it because... Paul gets into the soil, into the dirt, into the real stuff of life. He's like, here's what God has done for you. Now, what's your response to God? How are you going to respond? How are you going to live? What does this new life look like? And chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul is getting into things like unity. How do you love people that you're different from? He's getting into marriage, into parenting, into, hey, bosses, treat your employees well. Employees, work as though you're working under the Lord for your boss. He's getting into the stuff of life, the soil, the everyday dirt that we walk in and live in from Monday to Saturday. And probably on Sunday too, sometimes, let's be honest. It's just the stuff of life. And so the the second half of the book is about All this thing, all of these topics on what it looks like for us to live the Christian life. And before we get there, he prays. And if you were in prison and you're recording a prayer from your heart, 
It's gonna be an important prayer. It's a prayer that you want them to, to hear. You want them to see your heart. You want them to see what you want for them. You want them to see what you're asking God on their behalf for. And Paul records this prayer, and here's what Paul prays. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. It'll also be on the side screens. Here's what Paul prays. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. You ever wonder why your grandma or your granddad got on their knees when they prayed at night? I think it's this verse right here. There's something powerful when you pray. Try, try it this week. Get on your knees. Maybe at night before you go to bed with your wife. Get on your knees and pray. There's something that just says, Lord, I'm surrendering to you when you're on your knees before God. So I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is on his knees praying, and he's recording this prayer. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell, that he may live in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you would be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ through Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And everyone said, amen. It's an amazing prayer. And uh, for the second half of the series, the first half of the series, I titled it Becoming Who You Were Created to Be. Becoming Who You Were Meant to Be. And really, it's this focus on what God has done for us. That's the beginning. That's the starting line of us finding restoration and becoming who God intended for us to be. But for the second half of the book, for this next several um, sermons, I'm, I'm titling the second part of this book, More Than We Could Ask or Imagine. More than we could ask or imagine. And just because it's my first week back, we're going with two titles today. So there's that title for the series. It's like the umbrella, but week one is simply this. God is able. God is able. Isn't that an amazing sentence? I mean, I don't even think it's, is that a full sentence? I'm not a grammar guy. I think it is. You could put a period there. God is able God is able, and this is what it says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine. I mean, I, I think if we're honest, many of us in the room today have reached a point at some area in our lives where we, if, if, if man, if you had us up against a wall and you were pressing us for the truth, we would say there are some areas in our lives where we don't think God is able. Lord, you can do a lot of things, but I don't know if you can set me free from this fear that I experience. I don't know if you can set me free. I don't know if you're able 
to set me free from the opinions of others. I don't know, Lord, if you're able to calm my anxiety every day. God, I don't know if you're able to restore my marriage or my friendship that was lost or the relationships that have been broken in my life. I, I don't know, Lord, if you're able to actually restore my family. God, I don't know if you're able to set me free from this addiction. God, I don't know if you're able to heal me from the trauma of my past. God, I don't know if you're able. And friends, let's just be real. Many of us have experienced enough life to call into question what God is actually able to do. Maybe we've asked him or we've prayed or we've sought help or we've sought God in certain areas of our lives and, and nothing has changed or nothing has happened. And we thought, man, God is not able. But I want to say to you today, the title is true. The word of God is true. And in verse 20, Paul says, look, we're about to dive into some really intense things the last three chapters of this letter. We're about to dive into marriage and parenting and work and all the stuff of life. And I want to tell you right off the bat, whatever you're facing in the real stuff of your life, church in Ephesus, God is able He's able to do it. In fact, he's not just able, he's able to do far more abundantly than you could ask or imagine. Friends, there's an invitation from God today to you, especially if you're questioning God, are you able? Where he's like, oh, just give me a shot. Don't quit, let me try, let's do this together again because what I wanna do in your life is beyond anything you can ask or imagine. The things I wanna restore the joy I want to give you, the peace I want to give you, the, the new life I want you to walk in is beyond anything you can imagine. The restoration that I want to do in your life, in your family, in your marriages, in your heart is more than you can imagine. You have access to it at any time. The beginning of this journey of healing, it's available to you. Just got to take a step. You know, I think another reason that some of us question, God, are you able? It's because we've, exper we've experienced in life people with the best intentions who may want to help us or help us change, but let's just be real, they're not able. <laughs> Anybody ever had a situation like that? Someone with the, the most, most well-meaning people sometimes in life who say, man, I'm here to help you. I've got what it takes. I'm going to help you, da-da-da, or whatever. You're not able. I know deep down, that's nice. Thank you very much. You're not able. Uh, by way of illustration, I remember a situation like this in my own life. Um, right after college, we as a family went whitewater rafting with my dad's brother and his family. So Uncle Doug, and if you want to get to know Uncle Doug, if, if really I think this picture sums him up well. This is one of my nieces. This is Uncle Doug. And yes, his t-shirt does say, guess how many beers it took to build this. It's probably a Corona right there. He lives on a uh, ranch in Texas. I mean, you fill in the blank after that. He is the most stereotypical ranch owner in Texas that you have ever met. 100%. He loves Harley Davidson's. He... Um, for a while, his, his career took him to England and Europe, and he joined a, an English rugby league, and the name of their team, he named it, he named the team, was the Angry Chickens. 
He went to West Point, and uh, yeah, right after, right after I graduated college, my dad and our whole family said, hey, we're going to meet up with Uncle Doug and his whole family and all the cousins, and we're going to go whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon on the Colorado River. Now, <laughs> friends, there are different levels to the Colorado River and rafting, okay, in the Grand Canyon. There are extreme Red Bull professional expert level rapids, okay? And there's more, you know, family-friendly, moderate rapids. Uh, we decided for the latter <laughs> for numerous reasons, right? Uncle Doug being one of them saying, hey, I don't want to die out here. I just want to have a good time with y'all. So we, uh, we show up and they give you the spiel. I'm not sure the last time when you went whitewater rafting was. And, you know, they tell you if you fall out, make sure you point your feet downstream, lean back when you get through the rapids. We will bring our raft over to you and pull you back in. Now, our raft guide was a 21-year-old girl. I think she was a junior at the uh, University of Colorado. She was a great raft guide. She was working in the Grand Canyon for the summer, guiding whitewater rafting trips. She might have weighed a buck 20 soaking wet, maybe, on a good day. And, uh, you know, they, they go through this whole situation of what to do if someone falls out. And with great confidence and just bravado, she says, look, don't panic if you fall out. I'll get the raft over to you. And there's this really cool technique where I can pull someone out of the water on my own, just using physics, the force of momentum in my legs. I'll fall back into the boat as I grab the shoulders of your life vest and I'll get you back in. I think y'all know where this is going. So we're, we're cruising down a class two rapid, nothing crazy, nothing crazy. And, you know, there was sort of a hidden boulder under the water and we, none of us saw it. She didn't see it. And it just happened to hit right on the right side in the middle of the raft, right where Uncle Doug was sitting, popped him out like a popcorn kernel into the river. And he didn't panic. He's Uncle Doug, man. He, nothing phases Uncle Doug. He just stuck his feet down the river, leaned back, and coasted through the rest of that class two rapid. And then afterwards, you know, she, she's clearly a little nervous. Hang on, it's going to be okay. He's like, I know, sweetheart, it's fine. And she navigates the raft over. She's like, okay, come, come over here close by. And she grabs him by the collars of the life jacket and gives it her best with her best technique using all the forces of physics. Three tries in, <laughs> Uncle Doug looks at her and goes, honey, your technique is flawless, but you are not able to get me back in this raft. There's no way, Jonathan, Michael, Michael's my brother, get over here and get me back in this raft. So me and my brother went over and then we used the technique, two of us on one Uncle Doug, we got him back in, had a great rest of the day. Let's hear it for Uncle Doug. But I say that jokingly because we've all experienced this reality of a situation in which maybe we feel like, you know, the 21-year-old college student saying, man, I, I can't move, I can't do what needs to be done. I'm not able, right? Maybe we feel like Uncle Doug in the river, man, nobody can get me back in the raft right now. I'm going to be stuck out here in this storm, in this water. No one can get me back in. We've all experienced this reality in life where we begin to question, God, are you able, is anyone able to fix this, to help me through this? To get me out of this, to heal this, to restore 
this. And friends, let me just say from the deepest place in my heart and because I've experienced it, God does not just have good intentions for your life. God does not just have hopes for a happy future for your life. God is able. He is able to do far more than you could ask or imagine to bring you into places of freedom, into places of joy, contentment, purpose, wholeness that you cannot even imagine. He is able. God is not a 21-year-old college student at the University of Colorado who cannot get you back into the boat. He's God, the creator of the universe. He is your author and the, he is the author of your life. He is your maker. He knows what you need and he can bring you back to himself and he can bring you back into safety. Now, how do I know this? Well, in Ephesians chapter three near the beginning of this prayer, Paul starts off. He says, I pray, I bow my knees. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he, that's God, would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. How do we know that God is able, right? Well, Paul is talking about something right now. He's talking about strength and power in your inner, in your inner being through God's spirit. He's going he's gonna to open that up for us a little more in a second, but I want us to see a few things right here. He says this, the reason I know God is able is because there is within God something called the riches of his glory. According to the riches of his glory, he's going to give to you from a place of his own abundance. He may give you or grant you to be strengthened with power, dunamis. It's the word for the Greek word for dynamite, power, incredible power through what? His spirit in your inner being. Now we're going to unpack this a little bit together. And there's three things that we see here. This is why I believe God is able. God's power, the reason God is able is that God's power is not theoretical. It's not in short supply and it works from the inside out. It's not theoretical. It's not in short supply and it works from the inside out. Let's unpack these three things briefly. Notice again with me, okay? God's power. Number one, it's not theoretical. So this whole idea, when Paul says, I want you to experience, be strengthened with the power of God, what is he talking about? What is this power? Well, in order to understand it, we got to go over to another one of Paul's letters, Romans the, the letter to Rome, Romans, chapter 8, verse 11, says this. Check this out. This is amazing. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Please don't miss that. I know it's not like the final scene of Avengers. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel that exciting in this moment. But, friends, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, lives in me. This is not a theory. Jesus is alive. He was, he was raised from the dead by the power of God. 
And that very same spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. This is not theoretical. This is the truth of what we believe. And he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Jesus is alive. He's seated at the right hand of God. The spirit of God is God. The Holy Spirit is God with us. And he's made his home inside of us. So this idea of walking in the power of God, friends, it's available to you. It's available to me. We have access to it at any point. We have access to the power of God. Very same God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. God is able. Y'all with me here this morning? I'll try again. I didn't give you a good enough lead up on that. God is able. He's able, right? In verse 12, it says this. In Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence to the Father. Where do you find this power? Well, it's inside of you by the Spirit of God. That takes faith, right? We, we live very external. We live up on the surface. We go from task to task. We're on our phones. We're getting things done. We're checking emails. We're making sales. We're taking care of patients. We're teaching a class. We're putting out fires. Life is coming at us. Amen, somebody. Constantly. It's children, it's marriage, it's relationships, it's the stuff of life. And therefore, we live mostly distracted on the surface. But internally, if we can dial down the noise and get in touch with the fact that, man, our spirit is actually connected to the spirit of God, there is a power source from God that can bring healing, freedom, life transformation to anything we're walking through in life. God is able. We have access at any point. Quick story I'll never forget. Um, my grandmother, I've shared some stories about her before, Storman Imogene Norman, that's what we call her. She's 89, lives by herself in Kentucky, Salyersville, Kentucky, refuses uh, to live with anyone else and still drives um, her car. Lord, protect everyone in Salyersville, please. And um, she is, she's amazing. She's an amazing person. But I remember a few years back, and this was probably just a bad idea on our part, but you know, she's always wanting us to send her, you know, in the mail photographs of the grandkids, of the kids. And we said, Grandma, why don't we just get you an iPhone? <laughs> These things are awesome. We can send you photos all the time. We could even talk to you face to face. You have to talk on the phone. You can see us and we can talk to you. We tried to explain all these things that the iPhone can do and uh, my cousin drove up there and he got it all set up for her. Do you know the only thing she uses that iPhone for? Phone calls. Imagine that. Imagine that. She's, she has not once opened up the text message app. She has not once, she still can't figure out when we're trying to FaceTime her that it's actually live. We're there on the other side. She thinks, oh my, how sweet they sent me a video. And we're like, no, grandma, it's us. We're here. Hello, how are you? She's like, oh, that's a strange video. You know, maybe I'll call him later and let him know I got it, right? And she's talking, or, you know, she's going about her day, talking to her dog, and we're trying to talk to her face to face. She has no concept for the fact that there is a live video feed in her hand to see her grandchildren or whatever. 
She only uses her phone. And man, good on her for even that. I mean, that's for an 89-year-old woman to understand modern technology. That is a stre- that is a big leap, right? And I should none of us should have expected anything less. But here's what's crazy, right? And you think about it. With an iPhone, you have access to so much, so many things, so many apps. It has incredible capabilities that she could not even imagine. And she just uses it as a phone, which might be healthy for the rest of us. But what's amazing is this, friends, and, and I mean, imagine this on a 10 times scale, but we have access to the Father through Christ to everything we need to the reality of the fullness of God at any point, any time. And often we don't use it. Often we never take advantage of that. And so we're, we're living this life trying to make it in our own will, our own strength, and our own power. And the Father is saying, you have access to me right now. Just talk to me. Just listen. Just take a breath and get in touch with the fact that there's more going on in your day than all the things coming at you. And just calm down and say, Lord, be with me. Help me through this situation. You have access and God is able. God's power is not theoretical. I, my wife and my daughter, I have a middle schooler now, which is blowing my mind. Uh, they're coming back from Youth X today with the rest of the students. And so me and my son Sawyer have been batching it up for the past few days, which has been awesome. And uh, one of the things that I do sometimes, and he was sitting with me and, and hearing this happen, is when I'm driving somewhere or we're driving somewhere in the morning, I'll just talk to God out loud in the car. Lord, help me with this day. Help me with this meeting. Lord, give me wisdom for this decision. Lord, I wanna pray for this person, right? And my son looked over at me and he goes, he's checking on me. He's like, dad, just make sure you don't pray with your eyes closed right now. I said, yes, sir, that's a good idea. And I said, you wanna try it? And he's like, sure, I'll try it. You know, he opened his eyes and began to talk to God for a little bit and he said, dad, I I need to shut my eyes, I'm distracted. (laughs) And I said, that's okay. The beauty of it is this. No matter what you're heading into, no matter where you're at, you have access You have access to a power that is not theoretical, but it is spiritual. And in order to access something spiritual, you have to engage your heart, your spirit, your inner being. You have to go a little bit deeper below the surface. And it can be as simple. It doesn't have to be some ritual where you sit cross-legged and say the right things and light an incense candle and have just the right song on. No, driving down the road, you're stressed out. Lord, I'm stressed. Uh, I don't even know why I'm stressed. I just feel a pit of anxiety in my soul. Lord, I'm giving you that. Why am am I anxious? Lord, I got a big meeting coming up today. I'm nervous about it. Lord, I'm not sure what to say. Give me wisdom in this meeting. Lord, I'm exhausted. It's been a long day at work. I I don't think I have the energy to engage my family tonight. Lord, give me strength to get through the rest of this day. Lord, I am so tempted to fall back into an old habit or an old addiction. Lord, help me through this moment. God, break the power of this in my life. Friends, you have access and God's power is not theoretical, but you have to use the access that he's given you. Amen? Number two, God's power is not in short supply. 
God's power is not theoretical. Number two, God's power is not in short supply. What does it say right here in this verse? According to the riches, the riches of his glory. What does this word riches speak of? Speaks of an abundance, a lot of something, right? It's not in short supply. The riches of God, <laughs> it's not like microchips stuck in Asia right now or supply chain issues that we're all experiencing. There's no shortage of what God has to give to us. There's no global economic recession that can stop God's power from working in your life. He, he is giving to us out of an abundance. And what is he giving to us from? It says, out of the riches of his glory. Now, what does that mean? What is God's glory? Well, I'll describe it like this, right? The glory of an Olympic athlete. Let's just say Usain Bolt, right? The glory of Usain Bolt is his speed. There's more to him than that, but man, he's known for his speed, Right? The glory of any great athlete is the thing that they do best. Man, that's their glory. That's the thing that sort of sets them apart from everyone else in this one particular area. The, the glory of a scientist or a PhD is their expertise in this certain field. The glory of an author is their ability to put words together. It's that thing that draws attention to your life. It's that thing that you're better at than anyone else. It's your glory. Now, the question is this, what is God's glory? Every part of who he is. Every aspect of God's character and nature is perfect. It sets him apart from every other created thing. His love is perfect. His mercy, his justice, his holiness, his wisdom, his creativity, his power, his strength. He spoke the universe into existence. He formed us from the dust of the earth. God's glory is never ending from eternity past to eternity future. He is perfect in every way. It's God's glory. It's the combination of all of his perfect attributes. It's what makes him God. And he goes, from the riches of who I am as God, from my very glory, I can provide for you strength and power. Never ending. It's not in short supply. And friends, you have access to it at any time. God's power is not in short supply. Then number three, I want us to see this. God's power works from the inside out. What does Paul say here? He says, I want you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. That is also, this word is also used for heart. The deepest part of who you are. And here's what we know. Whether we realize it or not, the struggles, the battles of life, they're fought on the battlefield of the heart. The things you face every day, they're not just external. Yes, we face external things, but friends, the biggest issues of your life start where? In your heart, your desires, your soul. That's where things begin to go off the tracks, off the rails. Proverbs 4.23, I'm gonna give us two translations of this so you can see what the scripture says. And you've heard this verse before, probably. 
says this, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. From the inside out, it flows from it. Guard your heart, says the New Living Translation. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. It's where life comes from. It's where your actions come from. It's where your strength comes from or your weakness comes from. And so Paul is praying, God, strengthen them in their inner being with your power, the very power that raised Christ from the dead. Strengthen them from the inside so it will change their life moving outward. It will transform them, set them free, allow them to be all that you have created them to be. This is what Paul is praying. Friends, I would encourage you, maybe for this week, maybe as we continue through Ephesians, you would pray this over yourself, over your family. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, just open your Bible and pray it. It's very effective when you pray the Bible. <laughs> you pray the prayers in the Bible. He goes on. We'll bring it to a close with these last few verses. He says, I want God to strengthen you in your inner being, in your heart, because that's where your life comes from. That's what gives you the strength to change your life. God is able. You have access to him. His power is not in short supply. And then he goes on, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So yes, when you invite Jesus into your heart by faith, what that means is the spirit of God not a theoretical power, and it may not feel like, wow, you know, just, a, it may not be some huge emotional moment, but there's a, there's a reality that you have to access and you have to step into and believe that, man, the Spirit of God lives inside of me now. He lives inside of me. I just need to live like that's true. So Christ is in your hearts through faith that you would be rooted and grounded in love. In love. The way the Spirit gives you the power to live all these things out is by rooting you and grounding you in the love of God. And from that love, you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints the width and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. For in so many of us, so many of us are, are living a life on empty. We're living a life caught in the same patterns. We're living a life that just feels like, man, it's not working. Things aren't working right now in these areas. And God is saying, I'm able. Don't lose heart. I'm able. I can bring it to completion, the good work that I started in you. Don't give up. So many of us, we're not living according to who God has designed us to be. We're living into this false reality that's about one inch deep and God is saying, come a little deeper. Come a little deeper. You have access to me at any point through my word, through prayer. I wanna give you the strength to completely transform the most important parts of your life, the most important things in your life. And it begins by knowing, by being rooted and grounded in the love of God that you could comprehend the width and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Thanks, Paul. Do you want me to know something that surpasses my knowledge? <laughs> How do we do that? 
This word know is not just head knowledge. It's about knowing it deep in your soul and your being. It's about going to the Father over and over again in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your shame, in the midst of your failure, and saying, Lord, here I am again. Help me to have confidence in your love and who you are for me because I want to live from that place. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. I want to live in the fullness of who you've called me to be. I'll close with one final illustration. I'll be quick. I mean, it's from Seinfeld, so you guys are going to love it. What better way to bring home the gospel than Seinfeld? Come on, somebody. One of my favorite episodes um, is with, uh, involves George. And, uh, you know, George is the chronic underachiever. He's always looking for love. And him and Jerry are out somewhere in the city, and they run into some, some uh, woman that he went to high school with. And she was asking about George's life and Jerry jumps in trying to give his friend a hand and she's like, what do you do now, you know? And Jerry says, well, he's a marine biologist. You know, attempting to make George look a little better than he is and I think George was in between work at the time. George looks at Jerry like a marine biologist, okay. That's what I am. Later on, he says, couldn't you pick like a stockbroker or anything that I had some clue about? I have no idea what a marine biologist even does. Turns out, you know, she's, she's down for a date. I got to rewind one second. I forgot the most important part. The, the episode opens with Kramer on the beach hitting golf balls into the ocean. Just tuck that into the back of your head, okay? Kramer is launching golf balls into the deep blue sea. And now we fast forward. And George is on a date with his old high school friend. And she says, hey, let's go walk on the beach. You're a marine biologist. You'll love walking on the beach. And so they're walking on the beach and George is making up all these insane facts about jellyfish and the migration habits of dolphins or whatever. He's, he's trying to sound like a marine biologist, which he isn't. And they come upon this crowd of people on the beach and people are yelling, somebody help, there's a beached whale. Is anybody a marine biologist? And George's head sinks. Says, I think it's time to go. I think it's time to leave. And she's like, no, what, what are you? He, George is a marine biologist. Go save the whale, George. George shakes his head. He starts walking out into the shallows towards this whale. He has no idea what to do, obviously. But he notices a little something white on the top of this whale in the blowhole, something obstructing the blowhole. <laughs> and he manages, you know, as the whale's on its side, to, to pull it out. It's a titleless golf ball. George, I mean, George saves the day. He continues his entire, you know, facade of being a marine biologist for one more day. But here's the thing. And here's why I share this. Because you can't keep something like that up for very long before you get found out, especially not if it goes to a second date or a third date. Eventually, who you are comes out. And, and friends, I think so many of us, and please hear me when I say this, until we are walking with Jesus, until we're living in step with the Spirit of God, until we are daily accessing the power of God and living into who God has created us to be, we are walking around as a shell of ourselves. We're not living in the fullness of God. 
We're living as a shell of who we're created to be, trying to fulfill a role of something that we're not. And I'm not saying, wow, God's going to change your career or your job or your relational situations. I'm just saying how you engage life will change intrinsically from the inside out when you begin to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. You begin to live from your true self and you experience freedom, joy, peace, purpose, identity. You begin to see yourself growing into the image of Christ. You begin to see healing happening in all these areas of your life. You begin to see God at work in ways that you never dreamed possible. And in those moments, you begin to realize God is, God is to do far more abundantly beyond all you can ask or imagine. As we head into the last three chapters of this book, as we look at some of the nitty gritty soil of our lives, hear the word of God over you. Hear him whispering week in, week out, I'm able. Trust me, you have access to me. My power is not in short supply. Walk in the spirit that I have given you. Day in, day out. Trust me for what I want to do in your life. You are not a marine biologist. Sorry if some of you are, and that is your true self. Go for it. Save the whales. But for those of us who are not, God wants to invite us into a much fuller way of living a much more full way of existence. Amen. We're going to close by taking communion together. Friends, this is a reminder every single week of the width, the length, the depth, the height of God's love for you and for me, that Jesus, his son, went to the cross to die for you and I. For God so loved the world and Paul says, put your root down, roots down deep into this reality that God is for you and that he loves you and he's able. He's able to rescue you from sin and death. And even though he died on that cross, the, the power of God raised him to new life and he will raise you to new life as well. I'm gonna pray for us and then let's take communion together. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're able. Lord, I pray there would be hope in this room today, no matter what people are facing. Pray that would be rooted and established in the love of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take communion together. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.